He's teaching with an authority that's obviously not based on the traditions of men, but obviously based on the truth of God's word because he is himself the very word of God. Verse 22 reads, And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them the one who had authority and not as the scribes. You see, they weren't just impressed with Jesus as some charismatic teacher. The reason why they were impressed with the authority of his teaching was directly in distinction to the authority that the scribes were displaying when they taught. Authority in teaching and preaching does not come from shouting. And it does not come from stomping. And it does not come from me spewing the front few rows of spit as I go off on some tangent. It doesn't come from pounding the pulpit as if beating this piece of wood bears any weight at all with God. Authority only comes from the Word of God. When we align ourselves and our words and our thoughts and our Charisma, stage presence, a good-looking guy with a million-dollar smile and biceps that are this close to popping out of his shirt, it doesn't matter. There's no authority in that. Sure, you can build a church with that. I can think of a lot of churches where people gather around men who are incredibly charismatic and talented and gifted and good-looking. Women as well. But as long as I'm the pastor of this church, we are going to gather around God's word. The reason why we sing the songs we do is because they're saturated the reason why we pray the prayers that we do is because we need to pray gospel-saturated prayers. The reason why I spend 30, sometimes 35 hours a week studying the text and preparing a sermon is because I want to make sure that I'm not a scribe, that I'm not just standing up before you all giving you my opinions, as if my opinions matter at all to God. I want to give you God's very word. It's the only thing that can give life. It's the only thing that can change you. It's the only thing that can build this church. It's the only way that the gospel will go out. I, uh, I was once in the prosperity gospel. And the way I kind of got led out of that was I was watching videos on YouTube. And I came to this video with this guy who was just preaching in a way that I'd never heard before. But the thing is, if you were to go back and watch this sermon now, it was just bare bones. There was nothing there. There was nothing spectacular. He was old and tiny with a gray head of hair. He was wearing a suit. So, like, he wasn't cool. He wasn't doing anything fancy or fun. He didn't have PowerPoints or movie clips. He wasn't, like, quoting all these impressive theologians. He was just reading God's word and blowing it up before my face and magnifying it so that I could see and understand the truth and beauty and goodness of God and his word. And I hated what he was saying. He was preaching against the prosperity gospel, and I was living as this guy. Who does this guy think that he is? He's an idiot. John Piper. Idiot. But I could not shake it. I couldn't shake it. Who is this guy? I've never heard anybody preach like this before. I've watched Joe Osteen and Joyce Myers. And yeah, they're good communicators, 
everything about our modern age. Yes, this is a religion of supernatural. We believe in angels. We believe in demons. We believe that Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, was dead for three days and that God, by the power of His Spirit, raised Him to life. We believe that if you're sitting here in this pew, that you're not here as a false convert. If you really are a Christian, we believe that supernaturally, spiritually, God came in and did a miracle in your heart. He broke your dead heart of flesh up. He gave you a new heart, a dead heart of stone up. He gave you a new heart of flesh. And then he breathed his life in you. And then now the very spirit of the God of the universe lives in your very soul. And he moves you. And he guides you. And he convicts you. This is what we believe as Christians. Boxer moves. He breathes. 
responsibilities of the community, yet they make it a point to be here in this church and to serve this body and to shepherd this flock. And you know what? Sometimes that's really hard because the sheep are looking to shepherds for answers about everything. Everything's always looking to the shepherds. And you know what? Sometimes we need to take a moment and realize that our shepherds are actually sheep themselves. If you haven't prayed for your
satisfying the Father. I hope you can understand how practical that is for your life. Herod killed John the Baptist because of fear of man. He made a promise, and he was afraid of breaking that promise, so he killed John the Baptist. Pilate and Herod, uh, sorry, Pilate and Herod both submitted to mob rule. They, they looked at Jesus and they said, I don't see anything worthy of death in this man. But the people were saying, kill him, kill him. And they were like, oh man, we don't want a Jewish uprising on our hands. I guess we better put him to death. Twice in Acts, we're told that Festus, the governor, desired to do the Jews a favor. Because the Jews were prone to uprisings. And so the, he wanted to garner political capital with the Jews. So he wanted to do them a favor. And so what he did was he treated Paul unjustly. You see that there's a fear of man in these leaders and these governors, these princes of the earth. Whether 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem or today in Washington, D.C., all of the rulers of this world kowtow. They bow down to the demands of the public. Whatever the public wants, whatever they need to do to keep the peace. But not Jesus. Jesus is not some politician. He doesn't say what he needs to say to satisfy the masses of the he doesn't do things because they're provocative and the people will like them. Jesus is who he is in public and in private. And his authority is one of integrity that not even a mob can share. It says the whole city was gathered outside of his door. It did not face him. Here in the first chapter of Mark, we get our first glimpse into the coming of the relationship that Jesus will have with the masses. And i got to tell you, it's a fickle one. The people here, they don't necessarily they just want what Jesus has to offer. They just want to be served by him. And as the book of Mark progresses, you'll see that when Jesus doesn't acquiesce to the demands of the mob, when he doesn't do exactly what they want, when they want, how, how they want it, they turn on Jesus on a dime. Finally, there will be a mob that shouts for the freedom, for the release of Barabbas and the death of Jesus. Acknowledge his authority. 